0: We know security is an important part of the business equation. Obviously, you can't operate if your networks are down or your data is hacked. But is our security really keeping pace with the digital era? Hi, I'm Scott Smith for Gartner ThinkCast, and we're going right to the front lines of our clients' security challenges. I'm going to turn things over to Richard Morell, Technical Director in Gartner's EMEA Security Consulting Practice. He's sitting down with Terry Bebbington, the lead of the EMEA security consulting practice, and Robert Dartnell, the practice's head of intelligence, for a look at what clients are facing, how they're approaching the issues, and how Gartner helps them face those challenges. So let me send it right over to Richard Morrell in the UK.
1: Recording in London Docklands this morning, we're going to be talking at high level around what it is to actually live in this new era of cybersecurity. When people use it, the term makes my toes curl. Sitting opposite me this morning, Rob Dartnell, say hi. Hello. And Terry Babington. Morning. So we're going to be talking this morning realistically about some of the issues and threats that are facing large organizations in the security arena. I'm going to give you a question. i started start for 10, if you will. The major challenges we've seen around things like ransomware, the major challenges we've seen around data protection and with GDPR coming up, what are the big things which are going to be catching the CISO's attention and the people in the socks who had their job essentially is to try and put together the rafts of challenges and the reports into the CISO to help him make those decisions? What are the big challenges?
2: Okay, uh, thank you, Richard. I'll pick up on the first one. So if I look at um, what a lot of CISOs are saying to us at the moment and the things that are keeping them awake at night, it's not just, um, you know, what are the compliance challenges, like you mentioned GDPR and others, but it's also kind of, if you look at where we are from a a technology standpoint, specifically looking at the cyber challenge and kind of how they've either built their own socks or they've got suppliers in to kind of help them mature that capability. Um, I was with a, a CISO a couple of days ago and this is a consistent theme that I see, which is, um, and we see it in the press as well, and it's, it's the whole IoT security challenge. You know, we've got, in fairness, a good or a, an improving grasp on being able to kind of understand threat status. And we're going to get onto some of that in a minute, but we've got the technology to kind of get a good view of kind of, you know, what is our vulnerability status? What are the threats that we're seeing? And what's the impact on our IT stack? But when you start putting that into the IoT and the production line, that's where we struggle. And, you know, people are looking at technology solutions to handle that, and we're not there yet. So there are other things that we need to do. Rob,
1: your job essentially is as a voice of authority to try and smooth the waters very often with organisations who don't necessarily know what they've got. Yeah. How do you face that? It's bringing
3: in dialogue. It's, so coming from an intelligence background, for me, it's always making sure that the right people are in the right room at the same time. It's not just about a technical solution. It's not just about the technical teams. It's not just about the boardroom. It's every single business element within an organization coming together. The more people you can get into the room, the better. And you can talk layman's terms about those threats because one department may not understand the threats that another department is facing, or they may not understand what the organisation
1: is facing as a whole, as a global But entity. do you find when you have these conversations, all of a sudden the penny drops, that all of a sudden they didn't realise there were stakeholders in the conversation, and now they are? Absolutely. There is disconnect,
3: that all it is, you know. The problems within HR are very different to the finance team, which is very different to the the art guys who are looking after all of the payment systems, and, you know, just bringing people together, having that conversation, and actually talking to them about threats of each of individual business department and then the global entity, and then it all just comes together and it all starts making sense. And then they realise how they all have to start working together and how some of those threats are related and how they can solve those problems, usually quite easily by working together, whereas before they were working against each other without even realising it.
1: Do you find as we move into a more disparate model where potentially companies still have a huge amount of stuff behind them segregating managed firewall, but also they're taking these brave steps into cloud. Do you think that's changing the risk appetite? It's certainly making people more aware that they need to understand the threat
3: better because there's so many new technology questions, whilst they're asking these technology questions, they're also now becoming aware of the threats, so they're asking the threat questions. And it's the first time, I think, because of these new technologies that people are actually starting to build in uh, resiliency and threat understanding from the very beginning. So it's a positive thing, a lot of these technological changes, but there's still a long way to go.
1: Terry, when we go out and talk to customers and organisations and... You know, security's always been the last tick in the box, hasn't it? We've been the hurdle that people have had to try and jump over. Do you think now companies are starting to understand that they're needing to start to think about threading security through the whole life cycle of processes rather than just playing the catch-up as the poacher gamekeeper?
2: I think I'd turn that question around. I think it's what we'd like them to do rather than uh, it's what they want to do. I think we always will be, even in today's kind of world, a bit of an afterthought I think uh, for us as professionals, that is a significant mind change and mindset that we have to get our heads around, which is, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges we have, which is, you know, we believe that our organization should take us seriously and we should be at the table all the time and all this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know, we're perceived as the bringers of doom, gloom, and expense. So, what does that mean in terms of, you know, moving forward and, you know, you talk about things like cloud. I mean, cloud's a good example. I mean, there's this general perception now. It took us five years, I think, to kind of get to the point whereby we we as professionals accepted it. And then and that's mainly because, you know, organizations like Gartner talk about the benefits specifically on a business case standpoint of going down that route. Now we're kind of becoming major adopters thereof because uh, we can address some of the operational inefficiencies we had quite well. Recent examples, case in point, highlight some issues with that. But um, I do think that, you know, all of these challenges kind of drive the point, which is why we're having the conversation, which is, you know, understanding the risks, that's fine. Being able to understanding what our kind of vulnerability state is, that's fine. But the key thing and the key driver for me is actually being able to understand, you know, who are the bad guys, how are they really doing it? And uh, what are their techniques and what's our exposure to it? And more importantly, are they really interested in us? I think that's the last point that gets missed a lot.
1: Rob, you spend a lot of time talking to customers and organizations who may be taking those tentative steps to cloud. Do you find very often that the cloud they're moving into potentially has better security controls than the original network their application was in the first place? Uh, Almost all of the time,
3: absolutely. I think it's rare where an organization can genuinely hand on heart say, I think our controls are better than that of the service provider. If they're saying that, Generally, they are either lying to themselves
1: or their audience. But you come along and uh, you, know, you sit down with a, a report you've done on their, their application stack or looking at the APIs that they're using, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think that as they move long-term into cloud, that it, it actually makes them a better organization when it comes to understanding what those risks look like? The mitigation between what they own and what the cloud provider owns, often it's that middle bit which people forget. Yes, 100%. Okay, Terry, from a service perspective, when we're talking to organizations, when we're talking to organizations who are thinking long-term about working in the cloud space or working in the virtualization space, Do you think, honestly, that the risk owners in those businesses have an appreciation of what it means to actually undertake proper security exercises, how we do things from a a testing and also from a design perspective? Do you think it's still business as usual, 2006, 2007 style, or do you think they're starting to realise the penny's dropping that security needs to be taken a little bit more seriously? Great
2: question. I'm trying to decouple that one. I think, again, I'm going to go back to is this something we want them to do we want them to take us more seriously yes is there a drive to take us more seriously i think recent uh, you know upcoming regulations are going to drive some of that specifically with uh, cloud adoption and cloud usage are we reinventing the wheel or changing the way things were you know 2005 to where we are now in terms of the things that we talk around in devops and basically fast time to market for new solutions products I think there's more general, more of awareness that security needs to be more involved. But again, I think we're going to come back, we keep coming back to the problems we had in 2005 and 2006, which is, one is being able to actually articulate what that problem is. Mm -hmm. Two is basically being able to provide solutions real time and quick time to those problems. Three is actually having the capability and the resource that can basically not only talk to those, you know, business analysts and stakeholders involved in that kind of we need to get something out to the market, but also understanding what the solutions are, you know, different cloud platforms, whatever it is. And then, you know, you kind of boil all that one into the mix, and you are talking a very, very limited pool of resources and capabilities, which is the same problem we had in 2005. Rob, back in
1: the day, we were all network professionals, we weren't security professionals, we were network guys, we were guys who racked and stacked stuff, we were guys who deployed and provision stuff. Network people evolved to security people. Security people then came out from the intelligence sector, from behind closeted environments, and now work scary people out here in the industry. How many times do you walk into platforms where you meet a CISO who's bought five different boxes from five different vendors and things by bolting them all together, that's security. Again, almost
3: every single situation you walk into, it's a case of bolting something on top of something which is usually just bringing in more risk more so threat, retrofitting more security after the event yeah and not even understanding how that all comes together
1: but it's it must infuriate problem. you because all they can ever tell you is what happened not what's happening exactly so how do they protect themselves it's a big question (laughs) when
3: you're stacking stuff on top of stuff that most of the time they don't understand how it's working most of the time isn't actually incorporated properly let alone configured properly Mm -hmm. um isn't actually outputting the answer a lot of the time it's outputting data and information which the end user doesn't even know what that means and what it's providing them you find a lot of products are giving or disseminating a a report or, or anything and you actually hold that in front of you what does that really tell you
1: Most of the time, it's not telling you anything. Or they're not looking in the right place. Exactly. But it must be infuriating because, you know, you think about back in the day, people consume proprietary applications, but more and more very large organizations are building their own application stacks. They're using standard APIs, but they're pulling stuff down off GitHub without understanding the provenance of it. They're playing around with different directory systems. And then there's the pressure from the business to get this stuff live. Fail early, fail often. But from the CSES perspective, he's got a range of remits from his board to protect the reputation of the organisation. It's getting harder, isn't it?
3: it? absolutely is. I think the hardest thing, or the most frustrating thing from my point is, we're not starting at the starting line. Yeah. We're starting from 20 or 30 metres down. And, you know, we've not even done the pre-training before we get to the starting line properly. And, you know, I know I'm biased, you know, I'm a, an intelligence guy, that's the background I come from. But, how do you know how to build something and what it's building for without proper intelligence work going in there? So don't necessarily just think of that intelligence guy as being the bloke that looks at a load of IACs and tells you where the badness is coming from, mm. because that's not it. But
1: we've moved so far away from just saying there's a CV advisory for Bind or SSH. This is permissions-based stuff that people are getting very badly wrong. This is version stuff that people are getting badly wrong. And the resulting issue is, you know, we talk about things like SQL injections. They're the least of their worries. They absolutely are. What you were talking about from the likes of GitHub as well, and people
3: taking code from places, people buying in add-ins or bringing in code from external sources. How do you know what that code is really doing? Even when you're talking about chipsets
1: that have come Bad code, you know. Well, the new Intel, yeah, the new Intel, I want to say bombshell, but it's (laughs) not a bombshell because we've known about it for a long time. But again, these things, and the companies that are using these libraries, they're using libraries that are old in the respect that, you know, that's a good sign. I walked into one major broadcaster where they were very proud to tell me that they used latest bleeding edge overnight builds in their live. I'm just
2: sitting there thinking, what? Yeah, but isn't this the point though, Richard? I mean, if you're sat there, you've inherited this, dare I say, um, mess. And um, we're having this conversation now and you sit in front of a CRO or a COO and have this conversation. They're going to look at you within five minutes and go, what the? are you talking about? Oh, and on the flip side, you know, somebody from Microsoft rocks up and says, you know what, guys, if you come with us, we can take all this pain away, all this operational hygiene that we're talking about, this configuration management that you're talking about or mismanagement. This is why people are, quite frankly, buying into the dream. But I don't know if they
1: are buying into the dream. Even if they go down that Microsoft route, they're still going to have PHP and Python and Ruby on Rails stuff running, which they cannot guarantee anything other than, oh, it's that minor version number of, because they can't get into that level and find out what permissions are running, et cetera, et cetera. There is no one-size-fits-all silver bullet for this.
2: But if you're heavily leveraged that way (coughs) in terms of your Microsoft house, yeah... And what you're talking about is quintessentially the hybrid model. But if you've got a large Microsoft estate, then you can push that out and somebody else can basically take over that problem for you. You know, I'm going to buy into that. But it does come back to the question you asked me right at the beginning, though, is when you kind of look at this from, you know, what are people really pushing and the questions that CISOs are asking. And obviously it is industry dependent, but this is where the whole IoT thing comes in and absolutely throws a curveball in that model. Mm. Because... You know, from a technology standpoint, we're not there.
0: And like the Internet of Things, we'll expand on our connection with our London contingent on our next edition of Gartner ThinkCast. We'll look deeper into the IoT's impact on security and also how Gartner helps its clients stay ahead of the latest security challenges. Make sure to check back for part two at Gartner.com podcasts. Or you can subscribe to Gartner ThinkCast at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Google Play. For Gartner ThinkCast, I'm Scott Smith. Thanks for listening.